This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. To the eighth night of Elo Talks. Before we get going, we have a custom here that we want you to take the link to this program, www.torahanyone.com, and send it off to five people who you know would appreciate this program. We'll wait for you to begin. Don't worry. Tonight we are joined by my dear friend, Rabbi Levi Burnham. Rabbi Burnham is a rabbi, psychotherapist, and a very prolific writer. Rabbi Burnham is the senior educator for the Weiss Family Partners Detroit program of Yeshiva Beth Yehuda in Detroit, Michigan. He is also a very popular speaker, which is why we have him here tonight. So now let's sit back and all get inspired and entertained by the amazing words of Rabbi Levi Burnham. I thank you so much for coming. Okay, we are now in the month of Elul. The month of Elul is known to be sort of the beginning of the high holidays. So yes, we are in the beginning of the Days of Awe, which of course is many people's uh, favorite time of the year, and many people's most uncomfortable time of the year, because that's the time where we got to get real about life, and we got to start thinking about what we did in the previous year, how the previous year worked out, what have, what, what, have, what have we become in the previous year? And all that. It's a very powerful time in Judaism. And what I want to explore today is I want to explore one perspective of Elul. The month of Elul and the high holidays have so many beautiful, amazing perspectives because so much has been said about it for the last you know, 2,000, 3,000 years, Baruch Hashem. However, what I'd like to explore with you today, I would like to explore something specific to the idea of Elul by numbers. You know, we've got color by numbers. So, you know, it's like uh, we, you put three is brown and four is magenta and so on and so forth. So there's color by numbers. We're going to do Elul by numbers. Before I get started, I want to just say a big thank you to Torah Anytime and Torah Anyone. So you're familiar probably with Torah Anytime. It's an app, it's a website. If you've heard me speak, you've heard me speak and sing its praises. There is now a new uh, version of it called Torah Anyone that is open to a greater, more broad audience, and it's going to have different specials throughout the year as we come up on various holidays, and it's really designed for anyone, anyone Jewish to find their inspiration. So I want to thank the amazing staff of Torah Anytime, and specifically Rabbi Pinchas Landis, who has become a spearhead of this Torah Anyone movement, as well as the Kol Yaakov brothers, who are the founders of Torah Anytime, and their amazing staff. Okay, now, so we're going to try to discuss L by numbers, okay? So in Judaism, we have a very high respect for numbers. We have things called gematria, which is where we take the numerological uh, add-up of all the letters in a word. For example, the word echad, Hashem echad, God is one, right? 
So you take the word echad, it's an aleph, which is one, and ches, which is eight, and dalid, which is a four, and you add them up, and it equals 13, and you're like, okay, what does 13 represents? 13 represents Jacob and the 12 tribes of Yisrael coming together to shout out the unity of God, which is when Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein, Hashem Echad, was said for the very first time. And there's so many different ideas. Everything, we look at tzitzis, what's the numerology of the word tzitzis? What's the numerology of the word sukkah? What's the, we always are looking at the word numerology. But there are other forms of numerology, numerology too that we use. There's atbash, which pairs up earlier letters in the alphabet and later letters in the alphabet. There's all kinds of fascinating numerological ways of looking at things. And today I want to look specifically at... I want, <laughs> this is an amazing thing. Uh, there's like a fly and it literally has... I've not seen it. I, I gave a class last night at my table. Nothing, no fly. But now we're recording and the fly is out here in power. It's a humbling experience. The Gemara, by the way, wants to describe a great man. There was a story in Tanakh where uh, Elisha used to come visit a certain family, and the woman says, I know that he's a, a, a man of God. And the Gemara says, how did she know that he was a man of God? And there was a few different reasons, but one of the reasons was that a fly never flied over his, uh, over his uh, table, which was indicated he was on a very high level of spirituality and purity. So when I've got the fly... Passing by right in front of me, wow, no, that's a humbling sign. I'm not a very, hum, a very good, righteous man of God. Okay, but I've got what to work on, and it's amazing because we're right now in L all the time to work exactly on that. So that fly is saying to me, Levy, you got plenty to work on this high holiday season. Great. Thank you so much. Join me on that. Thank God I'm looking at you on Zoom. I don't see any flies in your house. You are all holier than me. Um, but let's keep on going. So we're going to try to look at L from a numbers perspective. And um, here we go. So what is the number for the month of Elul? This month that we're in right now, which, by the way, doesn't really have much written about specifically. There are a few, there's literally a little bit of ink spilled on it only from 2,000 years ago. But as of the last, you know, 300 years or so, we've been focusing more and more on this month of Elul for what it is. And I want to kind of explore it. So what is the number? If we have to give a number for the month of Elul, what is the number for the month of Elul? Is it 42? Is it 791? Is it 17,981? Or 17,981,462? Which is close to the amount of Bitcoins in the world today. Literally, by the way. I'm not even kidding. It happens to be the case. 17,900,000 roughly. Okay, anyway, that's just a random fact. The answer is the number for LLA. Six. That's right, six. Why six? Because Elul is the sixth month of the year. In Judaism, when we count the years in terms of months, we start with the month of Nisan. As a matter of fact, that was the very first mitzvah in the Torah. This month, the month of Nisan, shall be for you, the head of the months. So let's count from the month of Nisan. Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tamos of Elul. Elul is the sixth month of the year. Tishrei, which is the high holidays, is the seventh month of the year. Okay, so our number that we're going to try to figure out for Elul is the number six, and we're going to see if the number six is going to enable us to understand what this month is, what it's all about, and what its importance is. Okay, so what we're going to try to do, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a bunch of other sixes, and we're going to combine them all, and then we're going to start trying to see, can we find any common denominator? Can we find out what six represents? Because right now, all I know is that Elul is the sixth month of the year. 
right? That's all that, actually, that's all that you know so far. I, I really know more because I already wrote this whole thing out. But yeah, right now, what we know is that Elul is the sixth month of the year. What other sixes can we find in Judaism that we can compare this to? And what can we learn from them? Let's see. The sixth day of the week is Erev Shabbos, right? Now, when we have, interestingly enough, when we have, um, let's see, we've got Yom, the, the fifth day of the week. It's called Yom Chamishi. And the fourth day of the week is Yom Revi'i, Yom Shlishi, Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni. They don't have any special names to it. But Friday has a special name to it. It's called Erev Shabbos. There we go. Special name. Maybe that's going to point us to something. We'll get back to that. Number two. We are currently in the sixth millennia. This year on the Jewish calendar is the year 5781. Right, which means that we are in the middle of the sixth millennia. The first millennia was from zero to a thousand, second from a thousand to two thousand, three thousand, you know, two thousand, and so on and so forth. We are middle of the sixth millennia. Now, again, the number five seven eight one is from the birth of Adam. When we say it in Rosh Hashanah, we say it at the davening during the services. We say Hayom Haras Olam. Today is the birthday of the world. We're saying the world was started when Adam was born. So don't talk to me about how long it was beforehand. There's much to be talked about on that topic, and I'm happy to talk about it in a different time. Was it 13 billion years? Was it just 5,000 years? Was it, how do you look at the days of creation? That's an incredible conversation, one that I love to have, for real, but not right now. But the bottom line is we know that 5781, which will actually turn to 5782 on Rosh Hashanah, is the amount of years from the birth of Adam. We are now in the sixth millennia of humanity's time on this world. Adam is not an ape. Adam is a very different thing. Before, there may have been all forms of Homo erectus, Homo sapiens, all kinds of other human-like forms of ape-like animals. But then there was a moment where God blew his own a little piece of God's soul into mankind. That happened on the first Rosh Hashanah ever, and that was 5,781 years ago. So we are currently in the sixth millennia of the human world. Okay? Next. What does that mean? What is the job of the sixth millennium? The Talmud tells us that the Jewish people have seven shepherds. Those seven shepherds are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Aaron, Joseph, David. Now, if you listen carefully, recognize that one of them is out of order. Let me go through it again. Here we go. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Aaron, Joseph, David. Which one was out of order? Ding, 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 ding. If you said Joseph, you got it right. Because Joseph was Jacob's son. So if you have the proper order, it should be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, David. However, Joseph is put into the sixth spot, right? Joseph is the sixth shepherd. So, you know, when you have a baseball team and you're trying to figure out who should be the batters in various positions... So you're very intentional about who's the fourth and fifth batters, right? Because those are the people who are hopefully going to bring a lot of boys home, right? So in case they all load up the bases with the first, second, and third guy, you want your fourth or fifth batter to be the the guy who's going to make the grand slam and bring everybody home. So when you are lining up your baseball team, who goes first? Well, not your best guy. Who goes second? Who's third? Your best batters are usually fourth and fifth. And then your pitcher is somewhere around eighth, right? Your pitcher is usually your worst, worst batter. Like, really? So, you're very intentional about who you put where. The rabbis put Joseph in the sixth spot, even though he was born number four. 
He was in chronologically order. It was number four, but he was put in the sixth spot. So we got to figure out why is that? Why is he switched around? Okay, we're going to get back to that too. So Joseph is the sixth shepherd. Number four. So again, we got the sixth week of the day. The sixth day of the week is Friday. We are in the sixth millennia. Joseph is the sixth shepherd. Well, we have El is the sixth month too. And the mystics tell us that there are seven character traits that run the entirety of humanity. We talk about this usually around the months of Sfirat HaOmer. Sfirat HaOmer, for more on that, please see a series of classes called The Seven Mystical Pathways to Perfection. can be found on TorahAnytime.com. Okay, The Seven Mystical Pathways to Perfection. I've given this a couple times. You may have heard it before. Now, there are seven character traits that govern all of human behavior. They are kindness, discipline, splendor, or tranquility, Endurance, humility, foundation, and kinship slash sovereignty. Again, let's go through them again. Kindness, discipline, splendor, endurance, humility, foundation, number six, ding, 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 and number seven, kingship. The sixth character trait is foundation. Okay, so now we've got a lot of sixes that we want to work on. Let's start laying this foundation. Ah, there we go. Okay. The sixth one, the sixth character trait is foundation. What does foundation mean? What does it mean to have a character trait of foundation? So, as you well know, the largest building in the United States of America right now is called the Freedom Tower. It's located in Battery Park, Manhattan, um, where the Twin Towers, unfortunately, were horrifically, tragically destroyed by some evil, murderous terrorists almost exactly 20 years ago today. When they broke down, when the buildings came down, right, so they had to rebuild this new tower there, the Freedom Tower, and it's going to be the largest building in America. Do you know how many thousands and thousands of hours went into the engineering of the foundation for that building? Now, guess what you never see? You can go, the Freedom Tower is a beautiful building. Beautiful, beautiful building. I remember I was once flying into New York, and there was a heavy fog across New York, and I'm flying in, and literally all you see is just a blanket, a blanket of clouds, and then coming up right out of it is the top, you know, maybe 300, 400 feet of the Freedom Tower. It was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The Freedom Tower is a very beautiful building, but you know what you never see? You never see the foundation. You can't get a tour of the foundation. That's not offered. You know why? Because the foundation is underneath the ground. But you know how many man hours, you know how many engineer hours went into building that foundation? The stanchions and the concrete pylons and the, the, metal, you know, the, 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 the metal rebar footings and holdings. I have no idea. I am not an architect, and even if I was, I wouldn't be hired for building the tallest building in the United States of America. But I can assure you that the amount of time that went into the building that foundation is tremendous because that's a foundation that's got to hold up the tallest building in the United States of America. It's a massively important job. The foundation is something that's not seen at all. The foundation is never admired, but it's the hard work that goes in. Below the ground, it's not attractive, it's not recognized, but it's the groundwork that allows the largest buildings and the most powerful structures to stand on top of it. The character trait of foundation is the work we do, generally when no one's looking, the work we do to make sure that we're living our lives in a way 
that we are able to build a glorious future on top of what we do today. Am I easily swayed by what's going on on the street around me? Am I easily... Sorry. What's going on there? No. Okay. Am I easily swayed by what's going on around me, or am I able to hold strong? Do I act in a way which indicates that I'm constantly thinking about my future, or am I acting in a way that makes me look like I just care about right now? And this has many, many, many different components. But it's essentially the difference between those who act based on what feels good and those who act based on what is good. Again, foundation is the difference between those who act on what feels good right now and those who act based on what is good, which is very long-term thinking. I can build a foundation for very cheap and I'll save money. It'll be amazing, right? I'll have all this extra money in my pocket. It feels good, right? It feels good to have extra money. I can go out. I can buy myself some stuff. It'll be very nice. I finally get that Cadillac that I've always wanted. I got some nice clothing. Maybe I get a bigger, a bigger TV with an OLED screen, organic LED screen. Wow, and it's even got a curve to it. I don't know how human beings lived before there were curved screens. I don't know. I feel bad. Poor, poor humanity. Or I say, I'm going to build this right. I'm going to spend all the money because I want this house to be on top of this place for the next hundred years. It's almost like the story of the three little pigs. Right? <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's almost like the story of the three little pigs. The two first pigs, they just, they just built whatever was easy and shifty and comfortable. And they went to bed. They took a relaxed and took a nap. And the third brother is working really, really hard. And then what ends up happening is the other two get their houses huffed and puffed and blown right down by the wily fox and, or, and, 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 and wolf, whatever it was. I don't remember if it was a fox or it was a wood. Or it, was, it was a wolf. I think it's what we call machloket. It's a dispute. There are some people who say that it was the fox who blew the houses down. And some people say it was a big bad wolf. And people are like, no, no, no. There's even opinions that say it was a coyote. Okay, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, the bottom line is the three little piglets... So the two of them built something very shifty, and they took their nap, they went, they had extra lunch time, they had plenty of time, they weren't so worried about it. The third brother was very careful about the future. He had the character trait of foundation, of building with a futuristic look. So what does this look like? In order to understand this, let's go to the sixth shepherd of the Jewish people. The sixth shepherd of the Jewish people is Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef, the, the righteous one. Now, when does he become the great Yosef? Meaning he was just one of the 12 tribes, just standard issue kind of. One of the, the, the 12 tribes were all great. But when does Joseph become amazing? He becomes amazing when the wife of Potiphar tries to seduce him. And she uses every tool at her disposal. He is a 17-year-old boy, a young man, charismatic, good-looking, successful, And she is a beautiful and powerful woman. And she uses every trick in the book to try to get Joseph to be seduced by her, to commit adultery with her. And Yosef refuses. Because Yosef will not lay his foundation in the wrong place. He will not allow his energies to be wasted in the wrong place where they're not supposed to be. And that's incredibly difficult at times. 
especially when no one's looking. He was, remember, he's the foundation. He's below the ground. No one's there in Egypt with him. No one's watching. He's all by himself. He could easily have done it and said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll act like this right now, you know, undercover, so to speak. I'll do whatever I want. I'll party hard when no one's watching. And then on top of that, I'll build a beautiful building. I'll be a big rabbi. I'll wear the right clothing. I'll make the right speeches. I can still be a great guy. So underneath the ground, they act a little rotten. But as long when I'm above ground, I'm always, oh, shalom aleichem. <laughs> like, uh, I can do that, right? But no, Yosef understands you cannot lay a faulty foundation and build a building on top of that. So what he does is he exerts every bit of his, of his, of his power to just not waste his energies in a place that would be inappropriate. Now, Joseph is not only known for not... <clears throat> excuse me. What made Joseph great is not only that he didn't lay his foundation in the wrong place, is that he actually did lay his foundation in the right place. He finds Asnaz Bas Potipharah, the one girl probably of Hebrew descent in the entire land of Egypt. And he finds her, and he gets married to her, and he has a family with her. And he does lay his foundation in the right place with holiness and sanctity and purity. And because of that, his two children become tribes of Israel. Think about this. Joseph was one of 12 tribes. But he has two children who are tribes too, Menashe and Ephraim. Are there any other tribes like this? Does Judah have any children who become tribes of Israel? No. Does Levi? No. Reuben? No. None of them. No, no, none of them do. The only one of the 12 tribes who has children that are tribes is the one person who worked so strenuously to build the proper foundation. And because of that, he, was, he merited that his children should become tribes of Israel because the building you build on top of a, a very strong foundation is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. And that's why, by the way, Yosef is called the Tzaddik. When you look at the seven shepherds of the Jewish people, everyone has a name, like a, a last name. So Avram is Avram Avinu, Avram our father. So is Yitzchak Avinu, so is Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu. Okay? Moshe is called Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe our teacher. Aaron is called Aaron Akoin, Aaron the high priest. David is called David HaMelech, David the king. Yosef is called Yosef HaTzadik, Yosef the righteous one. And what does the verse tell us? The verse tells us, Tzadik Yesod Olam. The righteous man is the foundation of the world. It's below the ground. You don't see it. It's very, it doesn't make, no one's admiring it. No one's saying, oh wow, what a beautiful foundation. But they are holding up the world, the righteous people in our communities. The righteous people in the world are the ones that are holding up the world. They're not getting the press time. They're not getting the coverage. They're not on wall-to-wall, 24-hour-a-day social media feeds and, 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 and CNN and cable TV. But they are the ones. You want to know who's holding up the world? It's not any of the politicians. It's not any of the blue-check people on Twitter. The people who are holding up the world are the tzaddikim of the world, the righteous people of the world. You could be one of them. You could be one of the people who holds up the world. If you focus on the character trait of foundation, of everything that you do, you think about the forward-thinking picture. Not what will this do for me right now, but what will this do for me and the world for the next 10 years going forward. Now, fascinatingly, foundation is always about building something greater on top of it, right? Foundation is always, you don't build a foundation, no one builds a foundation and then moves into it. You only build a foundation if you want to build something great on top of that. 
Which is why in the, in the, in the Midos, in the seven character traits that define humanity, Yesod, foundation, goes right before Malchus, kingship. Because if you build an incredible foundation, you can build sovereignty. You can build kingship. You can build leadership on top of that. If you live your life the right way, you can build incredible, incredible nobility on top of that. If you live your life the wrong way, then the most you can build on top of it is a shack that's barely going to be able to stand up. It's going to be falling down all the time. But if you build a foundation right, you could build nobility on top of that. Now, let's see something fascinating. What is Erev Shabbos? Erev Shabbos is the sixth day of the week. Erev Shabbos is different than Thursday and, and Wednesday and Tuesday and Sunday and Monday. Erev Shabbos is a day all about foundation. What's the purpose of Erev Shabbos? To prepare for Shabbos. What is Shabbos called? Shabbos Malkasa, the Shabbos queen, right? We always invite the Shabbos queen into our homes by Lechadodi, by, by, by the Kabbalat Shabbat, right? Shabbos is the queen. If you want to have the queen visit your home, you got to lay the foundation. And that's why the most famous statement the rabbis ever said about Friday is, Misha Tarach Be'erev Shabbos, Yochal B'Shabbos. He who works hard on Friday will have what to eat on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we're not allowed to cook. So if you want to have nice Shabbos dinner, you want to have some gefilte fish, maybe some Moroccan salmon, maybe you want to have some chicken soup with matzo balls and vegetables, maybe you want to have some brisket, maybe you want to have some roasted chicken, some potato kugel, some dips, whatever you want. You want to have delicious dessert, some chocolate mousse cake. Whatever you want, you got to work on that before Shabbos. You got to lay the foundation on Friday. It's not, a, again, it's not an att- Friday doesn't get all the press. It's not an attractive day. You're sitting in the kitchen making food. It's below the surface. No, your guests are not here. They're not watching you and saying, oh, wow, that's amazing. You stir your soup like that. Wow, that's so cool. No, they're not watching. Friday is the below the surface day. It's the foundation day, but that's how you build the queen on top of it. You build Shabbos Malchusah, you build Malchus, you build kingship and nobility on top of it by preparing properly on Friday. This way you go into Shabbos and you're not busy cooking on Shabbos. You're not doing any work on Shabbos. You're able to just enjoy the fruits of your labor because your foundation is so strong and so beautiful. So the sixth day of the week is also, it's perfectly in line with what we find six to be so far. The number six represents foundation. That's the sixth of the character traits. And we see the sixth day of the week fits it like a glove. And the sixth shepherd of the Jewish people fits it like a glove. Joseph became great by not putting his foundation in a faulty way. And by, yes, putting his foundation in the proper and appropriate way. And because of that, he was able to build such greatness on top of that. Which brings us to the sixth millennia. Right now, we are in the sixth millennia. We are in the year 5781. We are in the generation that the sages tell us is what's called the Ikvasad the Mashiach, the time right before the Messiah. At the ultimate, the most, the Talmud says this world will only be here for six millennia before the, there will be six, the, the most it could be, will be six millennia of regular, and then the Mashiach will come. However, we believe that, and we know that we can make it come earlier. The Talmud says this also expressly. The Talmud says we can bring the Messiah earlier with our actions. 
But at, at the very most, the Messiah will come at the end of the sixth millennia, which is, again, unfortunately, another 221 years away. So uh, unless you guys book your tickets, I don't know if we're going to be there for that. But hopefully we'll bring it now. The point we're trying to do is bring it right now. So we are in the sixth millennia. What comes after the six? Seven. The seven is kingship, the Melech HaMashiach, the king of the Messiah. We're trying to bring in the Messianic era, which is the time of God's kingship being revealed to the world. And that's the job of the sixth millennia. Mind you, what do we struggle with in this generation more than anything? We struggle with the character trait of foundation. So foundation, the character trait of foundation has a lot of areas. It's most powerful areas in the areas of intimacy and sexuality because obviously the most powerful foundation you could literally bring is the next generation. Like when you literally create human beings, there's no greater form of creating than creating human beings, which is why foundation is a character trait noticed the most in the areas of reproduction, which is again why Joseph, who is the ultimate person tested, is tested in the area of intimacy specifically. And our generation, when it comes to intimacy, wow, are we challenged. Wow, are we challenged, right? The, 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 the challenges of being able to create a foundation for a proper marriage and a proper home today are incredible. The widespread availability of things that will cause us to not value our relationship properly. The widespread availability of attitudes that will that break down the idea of sanctity of marriage and the beauty of a home and a family are are all over the place, all over the place. It's so hard during this generation specifically to be able to maintain that sense of intimacy with one person and not break it and not use our energies elsewhere and not lose our energies elsewhere. It's so hard to lay the foundation in the proper place. But it's not only in areas of intimacy. The general rule for foundation is, are you thinking deeply about the future? Or are you thinking about right now? Unfortunately, today we live in a time where, you know, if you look at the stats from like the 1950s, people's percentages of savings were so much higher, right? Percentages of debt were so much lower. Today, and I'm not just blaming individuals, the whole country's like that. Look at this country. We're blowing out debt like as if nobody, like, no, with no thought of the future. Again, foundation is always about thinking about the future. The United States of America right now is blowing out debt. We have no calculation in the world. Who's going to end up holding the bag? What's going to happen if we face rampant inflation? But then there's no one, there's no one listening. There's no conversations. About it. It's crazy. And in personal habits, we are, we are seeing so many different habit challenges that indicate that we're not planning for long-term health. Not in our financial health, where many people are spending money they can't afford to spend. Credit card debt is constantly bankrupting people, which is a, a symptom of people not planning properly or spending beyond their means. People are not putting away the appropriate amounts towards their future. I've spoken to a guy, I spoke to a guy who makes over a million dollars a year. And he's barely putting anything away. His lifestyle is so expensive. He's barely putting anything away. A million dollars a year! Now granted, Uncle Sam is coming for at least 400 of that, right? But still, $600,000 a year disposable income. And he's barely putting it away. He's got this car payment and that car payment and this home and that home. And it's in the travel and the, and the clothing. New custom-made wardrobes all the time. Ridiculous. Crazy. Criminal. Not criminal. 
in the way we eat, our health, the way we exercise or don't exercise. We are right now a generation that is faced with challenges in the area of foundation. Are we living our lives in a way that indicates that we are clearly thinking about our future? And of course in spirituality. How many times do we meet people who later in life are torn up by the fact that they hadn't embraced their spirituality earlier on. But the truth is, there are many people today who still have another 20 years and still can't embrace it and still lay the foundation for a glorious 20 years or 20 months. We all know of a very great woman named Jerry Zachs, at least everybody here on the Zoom knows. A woman who embraced her Judaism in a way in the last four or five years of her life, in a way that she hadn't previously. And we got to see the strength that it gave her, the serenity, the courage, the bravery that it gave her during her final years battling illness with such grace and overcoming the pain and suffering with such incredible dignity and honor and serenity. And I really believe, and she told me as much, it was because her Judaism helped her. But that's because she invested so much in her Judaism. She laid the foundation for that. So that's what foundation is. And our generation, the, the, the Elif Hashishi, the sixth millennia that we are in right now, we want to lay the foundation for kingship. We want to lay the foundation for the, the Melech HaMashiach, the king of Messiah. And that's going to require a generation that's thinking, what actions do I do today that will bring the world to a place of godliness? So now we've connected the dots to Joseph, the sixth shepherd. We've connected it to the sixth millennia. We've connected it to the sixth day of the week. We've connected it to the sixth character trait. Let's now bring it to Elul, the sixth month of the year. Surprise, surprise, the sixth month of the year is the year which is based of, sorry, the month of the year that's all about preparation. It's about preparing and laying the foundation for the high holidays. It's the sixth month, the sixth is always about foundation. It's always about preparation. And lo and behold, it's right before the most important month of the year, the month of the high holidays. Not only that, what is the high holidays all about? The high holidays is all about kingship. What are we going to spend the whole Rosh Hashanah saying? That God is king and His dominion it traverses the entire earth. We're going to blow the shofar like God's royal coronation. We always said the sixth foundation comes before kingship. The sixth month of Elul comes before the month of Tishrei, which is the month of God's kingship. Rosh Hashanah is about saying to God, you are the king over the world. Yom Kippur is about saying, now that I recognize that you're my king, God, I've got a bunch of activities and habits and behaviors that I've got to get out of the way because they they're not in line with your mandate and what you want or how you want to rule the world. And Sukkot is about saying, now that we've cleansed ourselves, can we sit down and have joy with our God and our King together in the Sukkah? How beautiful is that? That we are invited to the royal feast in God's home, in God's palace, which is the Sukkah. It's not very impressive physically, but spiritually, it's, beautiful. it's God's palace. And then Simcha's Torah, where we dance around holding the Sefer Torah and saying, God, I'm going to take this, this document with me and make sure I get it right the whole year, because I want to be a good citizen. And your kingdom. 
So the month of Elul is a month all about preparation. Just like we say whoever prepares on Friday will eat on Shabbos, so too whoever prepares during the month of Elul will be inspired and uplifted during the high holidays. You know, we're going to come to God. Everyone talks about New Year's resolutions. Everyone talks about New Year's resolutions. I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. You know why? Who says they're going to work? I say, why don't we do L resolutions? Try them out for size. Start them right now. This is the month to lay the foundation. Again, it's not, it doesn't get the lights and the cameras and the action. It doesn't get all the attention. It's foundation. Foundation is always beneath the surface. It doesn't get the top billing. It's not, oh, where are you going for the high holidays? It's none of that. We don't get, it's not, you're not sitting in shul and singing together with the crowd and swaying back and forth and davening beautifully together. No, 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 no. Foundation is the work below the surface. The whole month before Rosh Hashanah, when you try to make yourself into a better human being and you're not getting the applause, you're not getting the crowd, no one's like, wow, you're doing amazing. It's just quiet. It's between you and God. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. This is between you and God. This is a time for you to work on your intimate relationship with God. And just like we said, the foundation has two components. Number one is not wasting your energies in places that they don't belong. Right? Like Joseph not willing to waste his energies, his physical energies, with a place where it would have been totally inappropriate. But it's also about laying your foundation in the right place putting down the foundation in the right place to build the greatest upon it. So what I recommend and I beg of all of you is join me on this Elom to start laying the foundation for a glorious high holidays. And we do that by two things. Number one, we try to divert some of our energies from places where they shouldn't really be and say, I'm not going to waste my energies there anymore. In today's day and age, there's so many areas that we can easily waste so much of our time and energy. The greatest resource that you have is you. Again, the greatest resource that you have is you. You are amazing. God believes you're so amazing that he invested a little piece of him inside of you. Okay, That's how amazing God thinks you are. And our greatest resource is ourselves. Your greatest resource is you. You've got like 70, 80, maybe 90 years hopefully on this planet. Every one of those minutes is awesome and counts. So when we take our energies and just waste them away with frivolity, we're laying our foundation. We could have a glorious future, but we're laying our foundation in a a meaningless place. So one thing I I, I would recommend to do during the month of Elul is try to find an area of your life that you feel like, I'm I'm wasting my energies here. I'm, I'm spending too much time on Netflix. I'm spending too much time scrolling through Twitter and just getting angry at all the anger running around that crazy space. I'm spending too much time caught up in my petty, petty fight with somebody in my group, in my, in my, in my clique of friends, and I'm, I'm wasting so much energy hating on her. I'm wasting too much energy listening to political discourse, the talking heads. I'm wasting too much energy... Think about an area where you're throwing down your foundational energy. You're taking that cement that you can build a beautiful building on and you're just wasting it away. And say, during this month of Elul, I'm going to waste a little bit less. You're not going to cut it all out. That's not realistic. But make some sort of goal for yourself to reduce your level of wasted energy in one small area. And then, instead, take that energy and invest it into something good. Try to do one extra good thing during the month of Elul. 
You decide what it is. Whether it's something that you want to learn, whether it's phone calls you want to make to every day to random people and just lift them up and see how they're doing and check in with them. Whether you want to make cookies for your neighbors. Whatever you want to do. You want to daven more. You want to say the morning prayers more. Whatever it is that you want to do, use some extra energies in the month of Elul to bring more good into the world. This way, when you come to Yom Kippur, or you come to Rosh Hashanah, and you're like, God, I love you, you're the greatest king, and I'm going to be a loyal subject, or whatever, and God's like, I don't think you're going to be a loyal subject. You don't have a great track record. But if you've laid the foundation already, during the month of Elul, which is the foundation month, you could say, look, God, I, I know I didn't get it right the whole year. But if you look, I built up a pretty impressive foundation. I'm on my way for greatness, and I'm helping. You, I'm hoping and begging that you'll give me that opportunity to prove my foundation forward. Can you help me build kingship on top of my foundation? You know, when you get the uh, checker piece from one end of the board to the other, you say, "King me." <laughs> you say to God, "King me." So may we all have the energy and the foresight and the maturity and the depth of character to take this Elul. Elul is a month of foundation building. The number six is foundational. Joseph, the sixth shepherd, was the shepherd of foundation. The sixth day of the week is the foundation for Shabbos. The sixth millennia is the foundation for the millennia of the Messiah. The sixth character trait is foundation. The sixth month of the year is foundation. Building the foundation for the high holidays, knowing that we're not going to get incredible credit and accolade for it, knowing that it's not going to be posted on billboards, it's going to be way below the surface, like all foundation is. But also knowing that if we build our foundation properly during this month of Elul, we will have such an incredible, incredible king of the high holidays, filled with leadership and recognizing God's kingship and God appointing us to be part of his, his royal team. Because the more we make God a king, the more he says, all right, you're part of my royal team. You're, one, you're part of my boosters. You're my general. And then, God willing, Hashem will give us, in order to be able to do that, a true, true Shana Tova Masuka, a happy and sweet new year. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being awesome. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.